And for being seated, will you bow with me in prayer as we ask God's help and blessing on our time. Father, we're grateful for the fact that we can worship you in so many different ways, Lord. Just walking in obedience is worship to you, Lord. Singing just then was such a great time, Lord. Thank you for gifted people, gifted brothers and sisters that you put in our midst that bless us in this way. Thank you for Seth continuing to use him to lead us in worship as he does. Lord, now I pray that you would please lead us in worship through the preaching of the word. Lord, help us to worship you rightly in spirit and in truth. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would be pleased to unite himself to the words preached as he takes them to our hearts, gives us grace and desire to walk in obedience. And then, of course, power to do it according to your will and your ways and your word. Help us to be like Jesus. Use this time. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Well, because of the nature of the message today, we don't have a single portion that we'll be looking at, hence we didn't have a public reading where we're all standing. In this series, you might recall where we've been so far. We're continuing on in the series about the New Testament church. We began our series talking about the birth of of the New Testament church. And we saw that it's actually a Trinitarian work. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all work together to birth the New Testament church, as we saw in the beginning of the book of Acts. Then we moved on to the foundation of the New Testament church. We saw that the preaching of the gospel, standing on the word of God, that was the foundation of the New Testament church, the preaching of the gospel. Well, then we saw last week, What was the focus of the New Testament church? Once they were birthed, once they were active, what was their focus? And we saw it was the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer, according to Acts 2, 42. Today I've titled the message, The People of the New Testament Church. Who were the people in the New Testament church? We're going to look at apostles, we're going to look at deacons, or at least we think they were probably the deacons, and others because there's so many more. We're all doing this for the purpose of seeing what was the New Testament church like in the beginning and how might we have veered differently to how they were or how are we alike to them. Let's, of course, strengthen those areas that are strong and correct the areas maybe where we're weak. So it's all for the purpose of helping us be even better, even more Christ-like, even a better church than we were before. If you've been saved, number one, you've been forgiven of your sins. Number two, you've been given a new nature in Christ. And number three, you've been granted eternal life with God forever. But until the Lord takes you home to be with him, out of that forgiven heart and out of that new nature that you've been given flows these new desires. Desires not only to live a life pleasing to God yourself, but you desire that others will come to know him as well. That's new desires that you have, birthed of the Holy Spirit. And you not only want to see his kingdom come and his will be done here on earth as it is in heaven, but you've also been equipped to help make that come to pass. The kingdom come and God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Upon your salvation, you were equipped with some ability 
that the Lord wants you to exercise for his glory, which we call a spiritual gift. And the engaging of that spiritual gift will also place you in a strategic spot within the body of Christ, which we call the church. And let me say this to you. You will never be fully fulfilled if you're not walking in obedience to God in fulfillment of his plan here on earth through the church. And I know that's not a very quotable phrase because it's so terribly long, but uh, it's wonderfully long. Let me say it again. You'll never be fully fulfilled if you're not walking in obedience to God in fulfillment of his plan on earth through the church. And that's just the truth. You're not going to be fulfilled without walking in obedience to God's will as you operate through his church. Now here's the good news that helps maybe alleviate any anxieties or fears in this role that we have. Number one, number one is this. We already know God's will. It's revealed to us in his word. We don't have to figure out his will. We know that his main overarching will for all of us and all of humankind really is that we be made into the image of his dear son. That's the overarching plan for all of us. We be made more and more into the image of his dear son, Jesus Christ, and that he uses us to help others be made into the image of his dear son, Jesus Christ. So we already know what his main goals are for us because they're laid out clearly for us in the word of God. Number two thing that helps alleviate some anxiety and fears that we might have about all this is we don't have to try to figure out what our spiritual gift might be either or exactly where we fit into the body either. We simply follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and we'll fit into it. A youth pastor of ours long ago once said to me, because I was trying to figure out this and trying to figure out this and trying to figure out this, and he said to me, Cohen, if you're walking in daily obedience to Jesus Christ, as best you know how, as best you see in the word of God, you're not going to miss God's will. He said, you're right in the middle of it. And that was so encouraging to me, because I thought, I've got to figure this out, I've got to figure this out, and this and this. No, no, no. Just obey Jesus. Follow the leading of his spirit today, as it lines up rightly with his word. And you're right in the middle of God's will. As you do this, we already know the big overarching plan that God has for all of us, like I said. But what about those daily things? Well, he will impress his daily desires for what you say and what you do in order to advance his kingdom. As you spend time in quiet reading of his word, as you spend time in prayer, both alone and assembled. And thirdly, as we fellowship with other believers in a local gathering like this or privately, one-on-one. That's how the Holy Spirit leads us in those daily things we say and do through those three things, the word, prayer, fellowship. So let's see how the New Testament church looked in its different parts. How did God set up his first church? What people were involved? What did they do? And how'd they do it? Let's look at that. So that's why we don't have one central reading like we usually do, because unfortunately, 
there's not just one part in the book of Acts where all the people are mentioned. And only in that one spot, they're mentioned all throughout the book. So let's look at a few of them. We're going to be in Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 3 to begin with. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Most of these texts I call out to you will be on the screen behind me as well if you don't have a Bible in hand or there's some in the pocket in front of you. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So here's our first mention of people of the New Testament church. They are called the apostles. Now, I'm going to be referring to them as the capital A Apostles because I'm referring to the 12 when I speak about them. Yes, the Greek word apostolos does mean messenger. So in that sense, I guess if you're taking a message of good news to someone, you are an apostolos. But these are the capital A Apostles. There's no more of them because even when they were replacing Judas later on in this book, later on in this chapter actually, with Matthias, one of the qualifications for someone to be able to jump into that role to replace Judas is it says he's got to be a witness of the resurrected Lord Jesus just as we were. So unless you've seen Jesus' risen body, you don't qualify to be a capital A apostle. And so that's why Paul could be a capital A apostle because he saw the risen Lord Jesus on the road to Damascus. So here we have apostles, the capital A apostles. There's 12 of them. Who else do we have in this book mentioned so far, this this chapter mentioned so far? Look at this. In verse 14, right prior to verse 14 and verse 13, it lists all these 11 apostles because they have not replaced Judas yet. Listen, by name, so we know all of them. We don't even have to guess who they are. They're all 11 mentioned. And then it says this in verse 14. All these with one accord were, devoted them, were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women. And Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. So here we have others. We have women, Mary, also a woman, and then Jesus' brothers. They were now believing too. If you recall in the book of John, we're told that there was a point where they were not believing. They actually came up to Jesus and said, hey, people like you who want to make themselves known, hey, they let it be known. Why aren't you doing X, Y, and Z? And it says, they said this to him because they did not yet believe in him. So there was a point where even his brothers didn't believe in him. Isn't that interesting? You could share a home, probably even share a bed with Jesus, like they did when they were little boys, I'm sure, and not come to fully believe him. Isn't that interesting? But later the Holy Spirit worked in them. So here we have some women, the brothers, and these women are vital, actually. Some of these women become very vital in this work. We learn from the book of Luke. Luke mentions women more than any other gospel does. That some of these women, listen to this, I don't have a reference for this, but I'll just read it to you. Luke 8, it mentions some of these women. It says, soon afterwards he went out through cities and villages proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him. 
And also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, from whom he cast out seven demons. And Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager. And Susanna and many others who provided for them out of their means. So here we see other people following Jesus. What was their part? They were very generous. They made it so that Jesus and the apostles could keep doing what they were doing because they were so generous to them and provided from their means. Praise God for that. Another woman. This woman, is her name's Tabitha. And she's in Acts chapter 9. When I was in Bible college, we had a class, one class, just all about the book of Acts. Yes, the Acts is so dense. There's so much that happens in it that you can devote three whole months to it. And when I got to the end of that class, you know what I didn't say? I didn't say, well, now I've learned all there is to know about the book of Acts. You know what I said? I said, there's still so much more I don't know. Like with any person who learns a subject deeply, you really come to the end of it learning how much you still don't know. And so, She always stood out to me. When I went through that class where we really studied Acts in depth, this lady Tabitha just stood out to me. Listen to Acts 9, verses 36 through 43 again. This is just me pointing out other people. I want to point out Tabitha. Acts 9, 36 through 43. Now, there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha. Notice it calls her a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ, which is translated means Dorcas. She was... Full of good works and acts of charity. In those days, she became ill and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. Since Lida was near Joppa, the disciples, these are other followers, these are not the capital A apostles. I'll show you. Hearing that Peter, see there, he's mentioned as someone separate from these disciples. Hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to them urging him, please come to us without delay. So Peter rose, went with them. When he arrived, they took him to the upper room. All the widows stood beside him, weeping, showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all outside, knelt down, prayed, turned to the body. Tabitha, arise. She opened her eyes. When she saw Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand, raised her up, and she was raised from the dead. (laughs) Amazing. What stands out about her? What's it say about her? She was known for her good works. So much so that even while she was laying there dead, some of the other women said, and look, she made this, Peter. And look, she made this. What was her part in the church? It was very different from the capital A apostles. Her part was she felt like she wanted to do good things to help people who didn't have enough clothing Do you think the capital A apostles had to tell her that? Hey, you lady, can you sew? Well, you better start making clothes. Because look at these people. They don't have enough. Get busy. No. I believe with all my heart that she saw a need and was moved with compassion and said, Hey, I I can help here. I can do good for them. Why am I bringing that up? I'm bringing that up to say that we see people doing things that are even far in different cities away from the capital A apostles being the church. Do you see that? Doing good deeds. So much so it says she was 
known for her acts of works and charity. She was full of these things and known for them. And so, don't you want to be like that? Don't you want to just be led by the Holy Spirit to do acts of charity without someone else telling you to do it? Without being dependent on someone to telling you what else to do it? When you do that, you find your spot in the body, if that's what God has called you to do. What I have found about myself, guess what? I didn't get saved when I was 19 and say, I want to be a pastor. (laughs) Heavens no. (laughs) All I knew when I got saved was, I love Jesus. That's all I knew. And this book came alive to me, and I just wanted to read it and read it and do what it said. That's all I knew. I'm actually thankful that the church I got saved in had hardly any programs or activities. And you're thinking, what? Why? Because you're a lazy Christian? No, not because I'm a lazy Christian didn't want to do anything. It's because all we did was meet on Sunday morning. We didn't meet Sunday evening. We didn't even meet, even meet Wednesday. We met on Sunday morning. And you know what? That was actually so good for me because I got saved. And then in that time I had, I read the word of God and believed it and obeyed it. And I wasn't dependent on anything in the church, some sort of program or activity to feel like, well, I I guess I can't get involved because they don't have a program this month. They don't have some activity going on, so I guess I'm useless. I I told you last week that there's things that have crept into the American church that I believe are actually hurting us, that make us different from the New Testament church. And I believe that's one of those things. That's why I pointed out about Tabitha earlier. And these other women, some women had means and they were just generous to give them so the apostles and Jesus could keep doing their ministry. Tabitha at least had some abilities to be able to make tunics and things like that and to feed those who were, I mean, and to uh, clothe rather, those who didn't have. They used what they had and they followed the desires that the Holy Spirit was putting in them to make the church work. Let me show you an instance where things weren't working exactly right. And some people needed to be exercising gifts that they had so that others could continue to exercise gifts that they had. Turn to Acts chapter 6. So we've seen the apostles. We've seen the women so far. Let's look at these others. Now... This chapter never says the word deacons. There is a Greek word for that that does get used later on in some of the epistles. It tells you, hey, these are elders and this is what qualifies to be an elder. And these are deacons and he actually uses that word and this is what qualifies someone to be a deacon. That word's not used here, so we can't say for sure that these were the first deacons. However, it's kind of agreed upon a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, this was probably the birthplace of what later became what we know now as deacons. All right? So if, if you hear me saying deacons, that's why. Yes, I know it's not in the text. Look at verses 1 through 7. And you'll see here different types of people doing different types of things in the body to make it function. And they're all very important. Look at this. Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number. See, just followers of Jesus now are called what? Disciples. A complaint by the Hellenists against the Hebrews 
because their widows were being neglected in the day of daily distribution. I'm sorry, it, it arose, this complaint arose. What are Hellenists? Just people that speak the Greek language. These would have been non-Jews that are now Christians that are Greeks, okay? It was seen that, hey, our widows aren't getting food in the daily distribution. Why? Maybe they, were, maybe they came late. Maybe there wasn't enough left over. Maybe it was just sinfulness. People saying, oh, well, they're not Jews, so we're not going to help them. We don't know, but they were being neglected. This is what it says. And the 12 apostles, distinguished from normal disciples. Do you see that? And the 12 summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute. Children, that means of like good reputation, like people speak well of them. Good repute, full of the Spirit and wisdom. These are people, these were men that people could look at and recognize they're led by the Spirit and they're wise, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, Philip, and um, Prochorus, and Nisenor, Nisenor, and Timon, and other men. Lots of other men with, with wonderful names. Wonderful, unique names that are not American in origin. Verse 6, these they set before the apostles, they prayed, laid their hands on them. Look at this, verse 7, so key. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. Many of the priests became obedient to the faith as well. Because they did that, it says in verse 7, the word of God continued to increase. Had they not done that, the opposite would have happened. The word of God would not have continued to increase as well as it would have otherwise. Do you see my point here? You're probably seeing the point I'm making. The capital A apostles said, we need to keep preaching and praying. That's the job we've been given. That's where we've been gifted. This is what the Lord Jesus told us to do himself. If we were to neglect that, that wouldn't be good. They were not saying in any way, we're above that. We will never serve tables. That's for, uh, you know, that's for privates. We're generals. That's not what they were saying. Because Jesus Christ himself said, you better wash one another's feet too. You better be willing to be lowly. He who wants to be first in the kingdom must be last. He who wants to be greatest must be the servant. So they knew that full well. That's not what they were saying at all. They were saying, we've been gifted in this area. This is our task. This is where we function well. This is our job. We need others to do this needed thing. People who are good at this and who want to do this. So that we can continue to do this. Because this is needful and this is needful. You see that? It's when we're all functioning within our desires and gifts that the word of God continues to increase. Continues to increase. Notice when I said desires. What you like to do 
is usually a good indication of what the Lord's gifted you at. You might say, well, I like to play video games. I don't mean that. I mean what you like to do for the kingdom, what you like to do for the church, things like that. Like what makes you feel good? That's probably a good indication of where you're gifted and where he wants to use you. Now, (laughs) let me say this too. Your desires sometimes have to grow, though, before you're actually very good at them. I remember having a desire to teach and things like that, but I didn't start out as a Christian saying, I want to teach. No, I just started out as a Christian noticing when I learned things, I wanted to help other people learn them too. And it was usually one-on-one. I would say, hey, listen to this thing that I learned. Listen to what it says. Do you see what this means? It means this, this, and this. Isn't that awesome? That was happening one day when I was sitting to and speaking with another person, and another adult overheard me explaining this to this person. And she said to me, wow, you explained that really well. Would you like to explain that to the group that we're about to go talk to? I'll just call you up during this part, and you can... It, it was the parable of the sower and the seeds. And I said, well, sure. So we went to this place. It was my cue. Stand up, teach everybody. And I thought, wow. That was like my first real time to teach a crowd. I didn't try to be a teacher. I just noticed I enjoy explaining things to people that I learn because I want them to learn these things too because these things are so amazing. And then other people said, hey, you're pretty good at that. Then I got other opportunities and other opportunities. It's because I wanted to, see? I just wanted to tell people stuff. In my mind, that's what it was. And other people eventually called it teaching once I got good at it. (laughs) And now as you teach and then also lead, and then I guess you can call it preaching, right? (laughs) And it just sort of came and grew and grew and grew. Now, I don't want to go back and hear some of those first sermons I ever preached. I'm glad they're not recorded on the internet anywhere. Ugh, ugh. But you know what? I was doing it out of love. (laughs) I was trying my best just to love Jesus. Saying all that to say, do those things that make you happy in Christ, things that you just enjoy doing, and you'll fall right into where you need to fall. And your role is vital. Your role is vital. What abilities might there be out there that maybe you've been given? Let's talk about that. And let's talk about these gifts because when we all function in them, as we see, the word of God increases. Look at Romans 12. Romans 12, verses 3 through 8. Because like I said earlier, the capital A apostles never thought they were better than the people serving tables and the, or vice versa. It's just needed work for the kingdom of God to increase and do well. Here's a great example. Look at verse 3 through 8 of Romans 12. For by the grace given to me, this is Paul writing, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. There we go. But to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, And the members do not all have the same functions. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. God gives them to to us by grace. Let us use them. And he gives a list of seven different things. Seven different gifts. These are not the only gifts, but here are seven. 
if prophecy in proportion to our faith. Some speak the word of God. When we hear prophecy, we think a guy standing up and saying, in three and a half years, this famine's going to come, something like that. Did prophets do that? Absolutely. But what were prophets? Prophets were the mouthpiece of God. Thus saith the Lord. They spoke the word of God on his behalf. So people that do that can be, maybe that's their gifting. Verse 7, if service in our serving. Some people just like to do the work in the background, like communion. Getting that ready. Thank you, Jay. Apparently we were out of juice this morning. I don't know why he didn't just turn the water into wine like Jesus did. I guess his faith needs a bit of work. We'll pray for him. He had to go to the grocery store and buy some. Well, we can all grow, I guess. Thank you, Jay. In service, in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, to exhort, to to build up, to proclaim truths that build up, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads in zeal, the one who does acts of mercy, I believe like Tabitha, with cheerfulness. Seven different gifts given here. And guess what? All needful. All needful. Our church is different on purpose, okay? When I became pastor here, I didn't want to create programs for the sake of having programs. I didn't want to create activities for the sake of having activities. Why? I believe it kills the Spirit's work. I believe if you have a program just for the sake of having a program, you're killing the Spirit's work. I believe if you have an activity just for the sake of having an activity, you're killing the Spirit's work. Why? Well, because people only get to come in and do what we tell them to do. Well, we have this, this, and this. Which one do you want? Well, maybe none of those. (laughs) I guess this class. Well, good. In that class, we use this book. We picked it. We think it's good. And that's the book we're using. But we're very used to that, aren't we? We're very American. We're very used to American churches done in American ways. And what I want us to be instead is very Christian in New Testament churches done in God's ways. That's what I want. You know why? Because that's what God wants. Now, (laughs) I wish I could say all my wants are always God's wants, but I know that one lines up. I purposefully keep this simple because this Sunday morning gathering is just part of who we are, church. This is just part. You act like Jesus when you step out of here in your workplace, in your home, among extended family, all these areas. That's all church, too, if you want to call it that. That's all opportunity for you to advance the kingdom in the giftings that you've been given. Like I told you, these desires that I had, I wasn't always good at them. I remember having desires to share the gospel with people. I remember having desires to pass out tracts and pass out Bibles and to tell people about Jesus. And it scared me to death. (laughs) But I remember still wanting to do it. I want to do it. I want to tell people about Jesus. It scares me, but I want to do it. And I did it. I'm so thankful I didn't wait 
for our church to say, we're going to go knock doors. Because then I probably would have said, well, that's, that's when I do it. We're going to go do this opportunity and you come. And that's where you'll exercise it. Because we thought it up and, and we made it. And as you know, how church works is you come to church, you sit there, and we tell you what activities we're going to be doing. And, and the, the leaders just do everything. And you just plug into what the leaders tell you to do. Because that's how the New Testament church was, right? Nope. So let's not act that way. Let's not act that way. Let's not expect that. Or we'll just church hop and church hop and church hop because they have a program, they have an activity, and they have a program, they have an activity. Oh, they don't have that anymore. Well, I'll church hop to the next one. That's not the New Testament church. That's an American church. Well, that's not the New Testament church. It's an American way of doing things. It's not God's way of doing things. That'll kind of tickle your feelies sometimes, but that's not Holy Spirit-led. Makes you feel good. Ah, I'm going to go do this and that. We'll all wear the same color shirts when we do it too. But that's not always how the Holy Spirit does it. Let's just be the church individually and when we come together. And we won't always be looking for some program to make us feel happy or feel good because the grass is always greener, folks. And the grass is always greener somewhere else. You'd think that, right? Keith Green has a song. He says, you can run to the end of the highway and not find what you're looking for. To find yourself, you've got to start right here. There was more to it, and it rhymed, because you were thinking, that didn't rhyme at all. It's not a very good song. There was more to it, and it rhymed. But it's true. You can run to the end of the highway, not find what you're looking for. To find yourself, you start right where you are. If you're not content where you are, you'll never be content no matter where you are. There's some other gifts that are spoken about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Because he had to really correct this church because they thought, these gifts are better than these. And if you have these, you're awesome. And if you have these, well, you know, maybe one day you'll be as cool as we are. And he had to correct them. And in correcting them, he mentioned some things. Look at 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 through 14. Just as the, just as the body is one... And has many members, and all the members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body. So it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. Now you are the body of Christ, and individually members of it. And God has appointed to the church first apostles, second prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administering, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Of course, the answer is no. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Do all work miracles? No. Do all possess gifts of healings? No. Do all speak in tongues? No. Do all interpret? No. But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. And he goes on to continue to talk about where they're abusing gifts, where they're doing it wrong, and some don't even have gifts at all. So he shows now, again, different people in the church in different positions with different abilities. And he says, then we're all one. We're all needed. So in conclusion then, our church is set up simply on purpose. When I say our church, I mean Christ Fellowship. I mean us. 
We're set up simply on purpose. We're already equipped with everything that we need to be a good, healthy, functioning, vibrant church. Why? Because of these three things. Number one, we are committed to Christ by faith. That's number one. Number two, we have the Word of God as our compass, as our map, as our marching orders, everything we need. Number three, we have prayer, which is our walkie-talkie, as it were, to headquarters. We can talk directly to the leader during this battle. Let me add a fourth thing. I said three. Let me add a fourth. We have the Spirit. He empowers us. He enables us. He guides us. And, most importantly, He encourages us. All those things are needful, and all those things we have at Christ Fellowship. We have them. So let's mimic the people of the New Testament church. And let's simply walk in obedience to God's word. And let the Spirit lead us and fulfill through us God's perfect will so that his kingdom will come and his will will be done. Let's mimic the New Testament church. Father, thank you so much for these truths. Thank you for a clear guide that we have in your word to be a church that pleases you. A church is a body, and a body is made up of individuals. So Lord, please help us individually today, this week, to be walking in obedience to the Word of God. Give us grace to spend some quiet time in your Word, no appointed amount of time, but some time in your Word so that we can clearly hear from you so that we can walk in obedience to what we hear. Give us grace to pray. Help us to be growing little by little. We're all in so many different areas of our walk, and that's okay. Help us to walk in obedience to the truth that we see in your word today. And we'll fulfill this church mandate and be this body that pleases you and glorifies the head, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name I pray. Amen.